From Greenville, South Carolina, we present... Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, preaching Christ in all His fullness. that you have joined us for another broadcast of Let the Bible Speak. Today we continue a series of studies on the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. Messages preached by Dr. Alan Cairns, founder of Let the Bible Speak Radio Ministries. We'll hear from Dr. Cairns shortly. First of all, we invite you to enjoy this devotional thought from the pen of C.H. Spurgeon, found in his collection called Morning and Evening. This morning's text is comes from Colossians chapter 2 and verse 6. As ye have received Christ Jesus the Lord. The life of faith is represented as receiving, an act which implies the very opposite of anything like merit. It is simply the acceptance of a gift. As the earth drinks in the rain, as the sea receives the streams, as night accepts light from the stars, so we, giving nothing, Partake freely of the grace of God. The saints are not by nature wells or streams. They are but cisterns into which the living water flows. They are empty vessels into which God pours His salvation. The idea of receiving implies a sense of realization, making the matter a reality. One cannot very well receive a shadow. We receive that which is substantial, So is it in the life of faith. Christ becomes real to us. While we are without faith, Jesus is a mere name to us, a person who lived long while ago, so long ago that his life is only a history to us now. By an act of faith, Jesus becomes a real person in the consciousness of our heart. But receiving also means grasping or getting possession of, The thing which I receive becomes my own. I appropriate to myself that which is given. When I receive Jesus, He becomes my Savior, so mine that neither life nor death shall be able to rob me of Him. All this is to receive Christ, to take Him as God's free gift, to realize Him in my heart, and to appropriate Him as mine. Salvation may be described as the blind receiving sight, the deaf receiving hearing, the dead receiving life. But we have not only received these blessings, we have received Christ Jesus himself. It is true that he gave us life from the dead. He gave us pardon of sin. He gave us imputed righteousness. These are all precious things. But we are not content with them. We have received Christ Himself. The Son of God has been poured into us, and we have received Him and appropriated Him. 
what a heartful Jesus must be, for heaven itself cannot contain him. One of the most precious gifts God has given to mankind is the Bible, the Holy Scriptures. For those in the English-speaking world, the ability to own a copy of God's Word is taken for granted. Indeed, many of us possess multiple copies of the Bible. Yet, this was not always the case. 
There was a time when attempts to translate the Bible into the language of the common people were met with persecution and even death. Men like John Wycliffe and William Tyndale were hunted like outlaws simply because they labored to give God's word to people in the language they could understand. Let the Bible Speak is pleased to make available a booklet that briefly traces the history of those efforts, entitled How We Got Our English Bible. This short publication tells the story of the development of the authorized version of the Scriptures as we know it, including the enormous impact of the invention of printing upon the spreading of God's Word. Published by the Trinitarian Bible Society, this booklet is free to all who request it. Simply email info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you wish, you may call us at 864-244-2408. That's 864-244-2408. If you prefer regular mail, simply write, Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Just ask for your copy of How We Got Our English Bible, and we'll be happy to provide it. Today on Let the Bible Speak, Dr. Cairns continues his series of studies in the doctrine of the Holy Spirit as he brings the opening portion of a message entitled, Seven Symbols of the Holy Spirit. Throughout the Bible, the Holy Spirit is represented by various figures or manifestations, all of which teach us a particular truth about the Spirit's character and functions. The very first symbol of the Spirit in the New Testament appears at Christ's baptism, where it is said that the Holy Spirit descended upon the Savior in the form of a dove. This speaks to us of the purity of the Spirit, a quality which must characterize the child of God if he would know the power of the Spirit in his life. Now Dr. Cairns commences this message, Seven Symbols of the Holy Spirit. This morning we're taking another step in the studies in the person and the work of the Holy Spirit of God. Some of the plainest teachings about the Holy Spirit in the Bible are given to us by the use of divinely chosen 
and therefore well-chosen symbols of the Spirit. And thus today we're going to take time to select seven of these and look at the symbols of the Spirit in the Scriptures. Now let me say right at the beginning that we're not going to be exhaustive on this theme, maybe exhausting, but not exhaustive, on the theme of the symbols of the Spirit. For instance, I'm only going to make passing reference at this time to such things as the seal and the earnest. These are matters of everyday life which the Holy Spirit has taken and has made symbolic of his own work in the believers in Christ. But we're only going to mention those in passing today, uh, simply because at a later date I trust to look at them much, much more fully. Nor indeed are we going to look at all the biblical symbols. For instance, the Bible uses, I think, some reference to the eyes of the Lord with the meaning that the eyes represent the Holy Spirit. We find this in Zechariah 3 and 9, and we read another reference in Zechariah 4 and verse 10. But since this would involve us uh, much too deeply, certainly more deeply than is good for our purpose now, in the interpretation of the prophecy of Zechariah, which is very interesting, but it would take us far afield from our purpose this morning. I'm going to leave out the dealing with the eyes of the Lord at this point in time. So we're going to take seven very familiar and straightforward symbols of the Holy Spirit as they're set forth for us in the Scriptures of Truth. The first one we find mentioned in three of the four Gospels. We can take Matthew chapter 3 verse 16, where we read, Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. The dove is the symbol of the Spirit that is first used in the New Testament. You'll find it in Matthew 3, Luke chapter 3 and 22, and again in John chapter 1 and verse 32. Now, to me, the dove speaks of various things, but surely in its scripture context, it speaks first and foremost of the purity of the Spirit. If you go back to the book of Genesis chapter 8, you'll there find that Noah, after the flood began to recede, sent two birds out of the ark. He sent a dove and a, ra a raven. The dove came back because we read that uh, Genesis chapter 8, if you start at verse 8, You'll find this story in verse 9 says, The dove found no rest for the sole of her foot, and she returned unto him into the ark. The raven, the unclean bird, was of course perfectly at home in the scene of devastation 
and corruption that was then upon the face of the earth. Rotting carcasses would give the raven its desired food, and no place could be too vile or filthy or unclean for the raven to put her foot upon. But the dove, the pure, clean, gentle dove from God, could find no clean place in the earth at that time, and therefore returned unto the ark. Now I'm not taking the symbolism of that in any detail this morning. If you were with us last week, you'll remember that I did deal with it a little more fully then. But we can note this very, very simply, that because the ground was unclean, the dove could not rest upon it. Here is the overriding meaning then of this symbol of the dove representing the Holy Spirit. Remember that the Spirit of God is most often in Scripture called the Holy Spirit. Remember that He is the Holy Spirit who is grieved by sin. You remember that the Apostle Paul, writing to the Ephesians in chapter 4 and verse 30 said, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of promise, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. What does he mean by not grieving the Holy Spirit? Well, look at the context. He says, verse 25, put away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, be angry and sin not. Uh, verse 27, give no place to the devil. Verse 28, let him that stole steal no more. Verse 29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Verse 31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Here are the things which grieve the Spirit of God. My friend, let's stop on a very practical note this morning and realize here are the reasons then why God's people do not personally and fully enjoy the sweet ministry of the Spirit of God. This is why they do not enjoy the resting of the Holy Ghost upon them in all the fullness of His blessing and all the fullness of His power. It is because of sin cherished in the life. Sin that is scattered like corruption over all that we say and all that we do. Instead of putting away the old man and the lying, and the evil speaking, and the wrath, and the bitterness, and the dissension, and the division, and the worldliness, which grieve the Spirit of God, we rather cherish these vipers to our breast, and the awful loss to us is that we do not enjoy the fullness of the Spirit, and the ministry of the Holy Ghost. And what a loss that is. You will remember in Genesis chapter 8, if we were to read on, that we would find that when the Holy Spirit, symbolized by the dove, comes back to the believer, he comes back 
with the olive leaf plucked off, or the new springing olive branch probably it's uh, more likely to be. This is what he brings. Now this is a very clear symbol in Scripture that the, of the evidence that the judgment is past. It is the evidence of a new life. It is the evidence of new fruit. In other words, it is the evidence of all that the merits of Christ's death and resurrection have procured for the believer in Christ. Let me tell you, my friend, you will never have evidences of spiritual life and spiritual fruit merely by some mechanical means of learning this and doing the other thing. It is the ministry of the Holy Spirit to convey to our hearts the fruit of the ministry of Christ. It is the ministry of the Holy Spirit to bring to us the vital evidence right into our own lives of a saving interest in Jesus Christ. And I tell you, we would live on a higher spiritual plane were we ever receiving those glorious intimations from the Holy Spirit of what Christ is, of what Christ has done, and of what this actually means to our own heart and to our own life. The dove then speaks of the purity of the Spirit. May we ever remember that he who indwells the believer, making him the temple of God, is the Holy Spirit. May God give us a heart for holiness, yearnings after holiness. We were singing that glorious psalm of David this morning. David of course, was speaking of an earthly tabernacle that he longed to build. But we speak of our bodies as the temple of the Holy Ghost. And he comes and he cries, Arise, Lord, thou and the ark of thy strength, and enter into thy rest. May God give us that kind of desire for holiness today, that we would present our bodies before God and say, Lord, here is the temple, purchased and prepared. Empty it of every foul and grieving thing and enter into rest here with all the fullness and all the glory of thy spirit. He's the dove, the purity of the spirit. The second symbol of the spirit to which we may pay attention this morning is the wind, which speaks to me of the sovereignty of the spirit. John chapter 3 and verse 8 is a key text. It says, The wind bloweth where it listeth. Thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh or whither it goeth. 
so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. The Spirit of God likened to the wind. Now you can hear the wind, John says, or Christ actually says. You can hear the wind. But you cannot control the wind. In some ways, you can use the wind. Every sailor in ancient times uh, was an expert in trimming his sails to use the wind for his own benefit. But he couldn't control it. The wind is the ultimate picture of total freedom and sovereignty. The Spirit of God, like the wind, blows where he lists. Now I realize that that is not something that many people like to hear. We live in a day when men have such a conception of God, that God is like a little puppet and they pull the strings and God jumps. We live in a day when men want to manipulate even the Almighty for their own nefarious purposes. But this text of Scripture from the lips of the Son of God Himself tells us plainly that the Spirit of God is not to be manipulated by anyone. The Spirit of God, even in the matter of regeneration and salvation, is utterly sovereign. He moves according to the purpose and the pleasure and the plan of God. He moves according to his own sovereign will. When he moves, no man can stop him. My I bless God for that. When God the Holy Spirit really blows with a mighty wind upon his church, let all the powers of hell be ranged against his church. They shall not stop the blowing wind of the Spirit of God, for he is utterly sovereign. listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America. We hope you've enjoyed and benefited from today's program. We're here as your servants for Christ's sake. If we can be of any further help to you in the things of the Lord, we invite you to contact us. Our mailing address is Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. If you wish, you may call us at 1-864-244-2408. That's 1-864-244-2408. Our email address is info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you would like to learn more about the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, we invite you to visit our website, www.fpcna.org. That's www.fpcna.org. This is Charles Kelsch saying thank you for listening. 
and inviting you to join us again as we let the Bible speak. 